Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for uh, coming on the show today. We have grabbed the popcorn because we have a great guest for you today, Mr. Dan Miller. He's uh, just basically, I guess, a a local intellectual at this point. He used to be uh, the managing editor of the PG Press, but he, uh, he left that in his wake, and he's on to new and exciting things, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to remind you that I'm Paul Wine, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County at Express. We can help your business find an, a phenomenal employee. So give us a call today, 831-920-1857. Our staff is every day finding great employees for great businesses throughout the county. And you can Google us too at Express Employment Monterey as well. And you can get this program at what's the plan monterey.com or just go to iTunes, Spotify. Give us a five-star review if you like the program. If you don't, please call Mr. Dan Miller and leave a nasty message. All right, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Dan, how are you today? Oh, I'm just peachy and looking forward to those calls. <laughs> looking forward to it. You will get none because nobody hates this program. Uh, yeah, of course not. Just uh, what, so what have you been up to? I think our last update was like the closing of last year. Oh, it was our New Year's special. And uh, and we, we I'll have to go back and listen because I had you guys make some predictions. And uh, I don't know how accurate you are, but we'll, we'll go back and listen to that some other, maybe later in the year we'll revisit that. But um, what have you been, so managing editor of the PG Press, you've given that up. Uh, have you kept your nose in local politics? Yeah, I've still uh, kept abreast of them, as they say, because, uh, you know, it, it's my life and it's my kid's life. And and uh, and going forward, living in this community, uh, I think it's important to know what's going on and and when need be, get involved in, in trying to make uh, heads or tails of something and, and hope to steer it in a direction where possible that uh, it's a direction that it should be going in. Could I possibly encourage you to uh, start a sub stack or something? You could be like, it could be like local muckraker, but, and then you could do, you could be an employee, you can be a, a writer at large for maybe you could submit articles to the pine cone to the new PG press, you know, you, in your spare time. Could you? Well, you know, I, raising three kids, a little t- tough to have a lot of spare time, but uh, it's something that I toyed with as the paper was winding up and I went to uh, the PG Pride event the other night which benefits the schools and I had person after person after person, people that knew who I know who I am, say to me I miss your column and yes. wouldn't you please do something just your column if nothing else And but the guy that has the paper now doesn't he hasn't approached me about it he's also wants to remain um non-controversial hoping that that helps his advertising and uh, so i i don't see that happening in the paper but i have looked at substack and i have looked at other avenues and i think probably by uh, next time we talk there'll be something a a blog or something of, of along those lines uh Jeez, i i hope so dan and and non-controversial i would say that the uh, pine cone they i mean they're they don't shy away from controversy and those guys, I mean, they have the greatest advertising base, I think in the County, like for for papers. Yeah. And, and the pine cone, you know, all uh, kudos to, to Paul Miller and his staff. I mean, Kelly Nix covers Pacific Grove and covers it just stellar coverage. Uh, That paper for a community paper uh, is, is really a good paper. 
I know uh, we are, we're and, lucky to have them. I've I've talked to people far and wide. I talked to a uh, was a state park ranger at Henry Coe one time, and he's like, "Oh, that right wing rag, the pine cone." And I'm like, "I don't know about that. I think it's a it's a it's fairly it's pretty fair in there. Uh, it's a great uh, it's a great local resource. So I don't know. Uh, people know it though. People definitely know that paper. I think it's um, pretty straight down the the middle. They got great circulation. Their electronic circulation is incredible. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, and during like COVID and stuff the information that they would put out electronically was just incredible better than the health department or anybody was doing. So I, I give kudos to them. I don't look at them being right wing. I think they're pretty much straight down the middle. Uh, people, you know, it's weird if you're, if you're to the left, the center, you just don't it's seemingly because they did this with the PG press too. They just don't like seeing the truth. It's like if we keep that hazy, if we keep it in the dark, we're a lot better off than you show a light on it. And if you show a light on it, and it's not what I agree with or what I want the world to be. Then for some reason, all of a sudden you're, you've got these labels thrown at you that are yeah. uh, usually pretty ridiculous. Well, around here too, if you're, if you're left of, I mean, if you're right of Chairman Mao, you're rushed along sometimes <laughs> with some people. So, uh, yeah, that's happened. The, the uh, so I don't know what we want to talk about first. We could talk about the finalists for the president of MPC. We could talk about that, or the hotel Durrell, or the PG Hotel, whatever we're calling it this week. The proposed hotel across the street from uh, the library in downtown. What, what I don't know. What What are your thoughts on there, Dan? Well, the the hotel is just seems to me to it's uh, pretty much close to being dead in the water. Something's happened there. Uh, rumors are it's financial. Rumors are it's water. Uh, but it's not moving forward. And they keep giving drop dead. This is the day we're breaking ground. And it hasn't happened. Uh, restaurant there left. The uh, martial arts studio. Everybody's basically left. So now there's a dilapidated building sitting there. Uh, and uh, it's new and nobody any good. I guess maybe it'll shift toward people wanting something to be built there instead of people going, whoa, who, who wants something that big in that area down there? You so. know, you know, uh, Dan, you, you've hit on something that like is a relatively newbie to the community. I mean, I've been here six years. Um, there's something that I often I think is underappreciated with new people or maybe people commuting into town as, as tourists of um, about this peninsula area is the, the 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 gridlock of it's almost like a mixture of nimbyism and just like can't make a decisionism if that's even a word yeah. but but like yeah. so if you talk about like the, let's start with the steelhead trout in the carmel river so yeah. we get this injunction what was it 1995 ish yeah, and here wow. we are almost 30 years later and we do not have a solution to our water problem a realistic solution to our water problem. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? And like, just like, what have you seen? I mean, like, why can't we solve that problem? Why is it so intractable? Well, a big part of it is that years ago, uh, with the, the steelhead and everything else, basically Cal-Am, they, there was a dam down there that, uh, they just allowed to fill up with dirt and silt and everything else to the point where there was almost no water left in it. But meanwhile, you had had proposals to build other dams and the voters would vote them down because it meant uh, growth and people were just against unbridled growth. And so it's um, it's something that I don't know where the answer is. I 
personally, I, I think it's probably in uh, desalinization, but so far what's been proposed by Cal-Am hasn't made sense. I'm not wild about percolate, repercolating water, uh, sewer water, and then putting that through our taps. I haven't drank tap water in, in this area in, uh, what, 50 years, literally, uh, because I, the, the taste of it to me is horrible. And um, so I... Somewhere there has to be something that guarantees us water without it being the most expensive water in the United States. Uh, we're, we're acting like this area is almost not even close to what's happening in like Detroit or, or down in the south. But it's it's uh, pretty bad that there aren't, like you say, there aren't answers. Is well, that yeah, or per capita, if I'm not wrong here, I, th I think I've, oh no, I've, no, I've read that our per capita consumption is the lowest in California, if not in America, in, in the Monterey Peninsula. So well, in my, my latest bill in a, in a house with four people, uh, we, our daily usage is 72 gallons. And back in the days, and cause we save like you wouldn't believe, but back in the days when there was rationing, because we did have rationing one time, I think, and Mark was around then, I think it was 50 gallons a day right? Uh, wow. per person. So in my house, theoretically, even when it was at its worst, we could get 200 gallons. But people aren't doing that, you know, by and large. People don't have lawns and things like that, but I, d I just I don't, don't understand... Lawn. I can't understand how we can mark. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I mean, it's kind of depressing when you think about it. It's just like this perpetual gridlock and, and it leaves poor Marina, the only people with water credits feeling like they've got to save the day with everything. Like they're, they're the only place you can develop. And, and it creates an enormous amount of resentment. Yeah. I think from the Marina community, just because like, if well, we have to build houses. Well, it has to be a marina. Well, right, it has to be a marina. You know, but see, marina's like got its own water system that's separate from the rest of of the Monterey Peninsula. And I remember a few years ago, you know, one of the last things that I heard Sam Farr saying about you know a local issue was uh, that he thought it would be a good idea if uh, if marinas. Marina Coast Water District was absorbed into the same system that serves the rest of the peninsula. Well, you know, you see that and you know that, oh, they don't want Marina to grow because they want to get hold of Marina's water supply and do the same thing to Marina that they've done to Monterey and Seaside and the rest of the peninsula. I mean, it, it's such a, you know, a transparent attempt at um, saying, uh, you know, we don't trust you people out there and we don't want your community to grow. And uh, so we'll get hold of your water company. I didn't see that idea go anywhere. For, for some reason, that ended up being a complete non-starter, thankfully. And Marine would have fought it tooth and nail. Oh, they, so. yeah, the absolutely. Is, and, the, and they're in a different, I, I think the other thing too is they're in a different basin. You know, water, mm -hmm. because as I recall, and this goes back to um, the fight over the Monterey County General Plan back in the early 2000s, that there was a, a proposal, Marina Coast, under its previous board of directors, had drafted a proposal to purchase like 7,000 acre feet of water annually from the Clark Colony Water Company. Now, does anybody know where Clark Colony Water Company is? <laughs> well, Clark Colony is the historic 
original name of the community of Greenfield. And there is a very small water company called Clark Colony that's uh, in in the Arroyo Seco area that, that serves that area. And they have pre-1914 water rights. And essentially, pre-1914 water rights mean that you can you have a lot more latitude with how you you use and sell that water, and their plan was to um, sell that seven thousand acre feet of water, send it up the Salinas River to Marina, where Marina Coast could capture it and put it into their system, and that seemed like it was going to be a done deal. And I remember being at a it was out at the um, ag commissioner's office in Salinas, this big meeting about the general plan, and one of the farmers who's got land adjacent to the Salinas River jumped up and said, if you try and move one acre foot of water up that river across my land into Marina, I'll see you in court. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I think that there was probably the threat of litigation uh, of various sorts from a number of interested parties that kind of stopped the idea of Salinas Valley water going to the Monterey Peninsula. That, that's too bad. That it's is. funny as we're discussing this, I just had a pop-up, you know, for uh, some mail came in, and the title uh, made me open it. I was listening to Mark, though, and uh, because it's about the about water. And the Water District has just uh, finalized the appraisal of the Calam wa- uh, Monterey Water System and are oh. going to make an offer on purchasing it. And there's does it, on Monday. Dan, does uh, it say what their lowball offer will be? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably about the same as my bill is every month. But uh, Monday, Monday at uh, the April third at five thirty in the Monterey City Council Chambers, there's going to be a Q and A uh, discussing what the offer is going to be and mm. what they're, they're going to move forward if they indeed are moving forward and not backwards, which will be continued to see. So, what does that do for for everybody? What does that mean, Daniel? So that means who who would technically own the water system if if it was purchased from Calam? Well, who would decide? Who would get to make the decisions in that case? Well, eighty five percent of the water systems in California are owned by the public. They're not owned by Calam or any other company. And the problem with Calam is they have a built-in ten percent. The PUC gives them ten percent profit on everything they do. So if they spend twenty million, whatever you know, dismantling a dam, then they get twenty-two million dollars from the ratepayer. If they spend fifty million building desalinization, they get fifty-five million and then some, you know, because it goes on forever for a desalinization plant. They have absolutely no risk whatsoever and they always get a 10% return. So if seemingly if you can just operate it at the same expense that Cal-Am is, but you don't have that 10% built in, then theoretically we would have a 10% reduction But in, in cost. But you're going into a real dark area that's unproven on the peninsula and as we have problems with our supplies, but as it is now, Calam basically gets most of their supply for for free. You know that Carmel River water—it's—it's it's some ridiculous billions of dollars in free water they've gotten for years, just because they've been drawn on on Carmel River with with no uh, 
uh, you know, real, they, they shouldn't really have a call to that water is I guess what I'm going to say. So many leaps and so many problems that they've never solved, you know, uh, looking at like Nadaraga's project that he's proposing, mm -hmm. still working on in Moss Landing. Uh, it was, you know, he had infrastructure already going out in the ocean and everything else that uh, if they had jumped on it, we would have had desalinization years ago. But since they didn't have total control over it and and wanted it to be their baby and their idea, uh, they just never pursued that. And the water board didn't pursue it either. And I think that was a big mistake then. I still think it's a mistake to this day. And I think eventually, uh, if we go toward desalinization, it's not going to be a project in Marina. It's going to be a project in Moss Landu. Well, you know what's funny? too dan and mark is that like i i you know when you talk to a, a local person like at pg market or andronico's or trader joe's or safeway or wherever they always say it's i say well we need to build more houses if you really want to bring the price of mm -hmm. housing down you build Not more houses happen. and we don't have the water to do it and a lot of people will say why why do we want more houses they're just building houses for rich people and, and i always think well the first houses are going to be for rich people because that's the only thing that makes fiscal sense right now because like 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 what they're doing out of the dunes project and things and the only houses the reasonably priced houses are kind of done through government coercion but I, it's just it's very frustrating i th i feel like the the more we're going going in the wrong direction we should open up things for developers for infill development oh. responsible infill development and the only way you're going to get there is with water and that's the only thing in the long run that's going to bring pricing down and and you can maybe because Tyler Williamson, when he was running, he was talking about rent controls and other things. I don't know. That's a lot. But Dan and Mark, do you have any comments on any of that? Or maybe Tyler Williams is, if he is still planning on doing rent controls, he has been kind of silent since he's been the mayor. I don't think rent controls is, is an answer to anything. Uh, I think you end up with dilapidated houses and everything else. Now, that's saying as a guy that doesn't have to go and worry about paying rent every month. Uh, so it... And the whole idea of infill, they're kind of doing that in Pacific Grove now with ADUs. Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, those are being dropped everywhere. They're already creating problems with parking and stuff. And none of them are, uh, they're all market rate or they're being used for a family member or something like that. They're not going out. There's no stipulation that they be low-income housing. Well, well, you know what's interesting about that, Dan, and I've said this to Mark before, is like suppose, and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, suppose you have a two-story house and there's no basement or there's no shower, say, or bathroom on the first floor with with a bath and a shower, and your grandmother's living down there. According to, the, I think, the current water credit rules, you could actually build a house behind your house for grandma, but you couldn't put that bathroom in. Is that correct? And that's uh, like a perverse incentive. I, right? believe, true. I believe that may may be correct. I don't, yes. you know, it, yes. it, yeah, it in comes, fact, yeah. isn't that like it's a perverse incentive? Isn't that exactly what you correct, don't want? Well, yeah, well, like right here in my neighborhood, there was a, a lot across the street from us. There was a house that was on it for decades, and it was a one-bathroom house. Now, according to the water district, they could actually have two bathrooms on the lot. So the people who are building the house there, their original plan was to build a two-story home and an ADU in the back. 
But they wanted three bathrooms because they wanted one upstairs and one downstairs in the main house and then one for the ADU. And the water district told them, no, you can only have two bathrooms for the entire property. You can still build the ADU, but you're only going to have one bathroom in the main house and one in the ADU. Well, you know, the days of people having a two-story house with only one restroom in it are uh, are long gone. Uh, and so the people who own this property, they said, well, then we're not building the ADU and we'll just build a regular, you know, four-bedroom, two-bath house on the lot here, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, but there's it gets tricky because I, do, I think you, uh, do, again, depending on what already exists, there are limits to adding a bathroom in your house. Right. Uh, but the ADUs, you can drop anywhere, like in Pacific Grove right now, because we have some water because of that cockamamie small water project that's cost us an absolute fortune by warren when i was on the you're talking about the, that's the golf course is that what it is yeah yeah. yeah yeah which i when i was on the council i was the only one that voted against it and everybody oh you you're this you're that and as it turns out the consultant who we paid literally a million dollars to who had a meeting it's public record i sat there and said all your figures are wrong you're making stuff out of thin air and that we're paying you a penny is ridiculous they ended up paying him 400 grand more after that and everything that he projected was wrong and uh and so now we're paying out of our pockets for the small water project but because of that project we have a little bit of water and that water is being basically sold to uh, people for their adus dropping them on the back of you know their property and uh and people can also buy it for an extra bathroom or whatever right now but as soon as that runs dry uh good luck and you got to pay a pretty penny for it uh even now but uh people are really squawking about the adus and that was a state mandate the state took the control of the cities to say what they they would allow Wow. Hey, Dan, can I ask you about where things are going right now with that uh, skateboard park in Pacific Grove, the proposal? <laughs> the, the, now, okay. Yeah, where, yeah. what's okay. happening? Well, you know what? The, the city can't get out of their own way. So when they, they were instructed by the council to look at two places, up on Forest Lodge Road and uh, a third somewhat uh, Arnett Park and then uh, Washington Park. So when it came back to the council, they, it was, they had added into the mix the fields up at David Avenue School, mm-hmm. which is now a charter school up between Forest Lodge and David Avenue. And uh, so everywhere they've proposed, the neighborhood gets together and 50 people say, you know, you know, you know, 50 uh, homeowners say, no, you're not building that in our neighborhood. And of course, everybody that doesn't live in one of these neighborhoods yells NIMBY. NIMBY is a great thing for people to yell that don't until a project is proposed in their neighborhood. And then they go crazy. They don't care about anybody else's neighborhood. They care about theirs. Right. And so uh it's to the point and i told everybody this at the beginning of this process we looked at this 20 years ago in pacific grove and they could find nowhere to put it that wasn't problematic but no we had to try and do it again because you had 20 people and their kids show up at a meeting and say we've got to have this and you had two people on the council who are no longer on the council and aren't showing up at meetings to talk about what a great idea this was that were all pushing for this yeah. and the city 
actually allocated 158 grand in COVID money for its studies and everything. So right now where it is, is in limbo. There's nowhere they've found where there is not threats of lawsuits, uh, problems with the school district, because most of them are school district owned sites. Uh, yeah. They don't want to take the liability for these places. Yeah, see, that's so the thing. That's, I, I still say it yeah. isn't going to be built. Yeah, that's the thing that's still, you know, to me, that's perplexing about it. I mean, look, the constituent, who rides skateboards? Kids yeah. that are in school. They're either junior high or high school, maybe a few elementary mm-hmm. school kids. But you would think the most logical place to put that would be on school district property, either at the high school or the middle school. And maybe the city comes into the school district and says, look, we've got to have this thing. We'll pay for it. You let us put it. You High school or middle school? Which one do you want? We'll we'll foot the bill for it. I, I mean, it would, I don't know. To me, it would seem that that would be the simplest way of getting this done. And yet, I, I don't know. You know, what's the school district think? They're going to stop this thing from happening. Well, if they don't give up property, it yeah. won't. It's not going to be built in George Washington Park. I guarantee. I, you. I want a disc golf course in George Washington Park. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, but anyway, hey. hey, what what do you think, uh, Dan? I don't, you don't have to reply to that because you can just say, "Oh, at four twenty, we get a contact high or something." But hey, <laughs> let's look the <laughs> the. I was wondering what your uh, opinion are on Debbie Beck and the other new uh, council member for PG. Uh, I, th- so I think far. they're they're uh, uh, competent, um, which is nice to see because there's a couple on there that aren't and there's at least one that left that weren't wasn't so uh so what do you, what do you really think dan yeah, are you gonna name their names actually or are you just yeah. <laughs> i think people know by now so, <laughs> why give them any more for us so uh yeah so they're doing fine they're doing fine um they're they're two very intelligent ladies and uh and it's very nice to see and i hope it's okay for me to say ladies you know yeah you're well dei's coming for you hey so tin cannery what do you think what do you got any thoughts on that any movement on that thing or what's going on there's almost almost none they're proposing new stuff they now want to uh, to meet their uh, low-income unit stuff that they need for the Coastal Commission. They're nice. talking about being involved in a hostel and building so they're a They're going to put a high-end hotel and a hostel attached well, to it? Well, they're going to put the hostel up the street where there used to be one that has since closed and oh, yes. expanded and stuff, and somehow this is going to make them into good guys and make their project, which is starting to sound more and more like it's not going to be platinum LED, which is what the people voted for and what the bill of goods they were sold. So, uh, uh, people better press them to get back to what was proposed and what was okay by the voters. Otherwise, and the voters will it, it seems yes. that the longer these things go on, the less likely it is that they're going to happen. That yeah. you know, problems are happening happening with market demand. Problems are happening with financing, high interest they don't rates. Cancel out. Yes, yeah, that's that's what it ends well, up. Yeah, what about what about uh, the old mission? Nothing good. What yeah. about the old Mission Linen building uh, across from the high school? Yeah, you know, they say they don't want to sell. Everybody wants it for low-income housing. I think there's a good chance through public domain or, you know, eminent domain, something, that there's going to be uh, the 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 city's going to claw it, uh, claw it to them to make Somehow. some housing. But right now it's a waste and they got tons of water. Obviously. I know the old the old Noah building, those guys wanted to do something and everybody was in uproar about that too. Well, it's an open by. space, so the, the, the uh, zoning kills that. Right. Re- real quick, because I know we only have a couple more minutes and we talked about it a little bit off the air, but uh, MPC, people need to watch that. There's some hearings. Go to the Monterey Peninsula College website and they got some uh, introductions to the, the four people 
that are the finalists for president uh, next week at the school. And it's and they're interesting people, but uh, all four of them, there seem to be the biggest emphasis seems to be DEI. As, and I went to MPC 40 years ago and I've been pretty close, uh, close to everything going on there since then. And you've got three out of five board members are of color. You have had black studies and women's studies. You have, ha have been for over 40 years. I have never seen one bit of racism in any kind, except when I was there and I had a 4.0. I was steaming along. I ran for uh, the nomination for state assembly, uh, you know, was really involved had a 4.0, number one graduate in the school, and I got almost no scholarships. And when I went to the person who was in charge of scholarships, who was a person of color, he looked me square in the eye and said, you'll figure out a, a, a way of paying for your education. These people won't. And these people that were getting them were not of the same color as me. So anybody that thinks there's a problem with diversity at MBC or that there has been for the past mm -hmm. 50 years is barking up the wrong tree. And in a community uh, that is a couple percent of, of black, we have three out of five people. And this is what what uh, district elections get you. Three out of five people on the MPC uh, board of trustees are uh, of color. Wow. Well, you know, to, 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 to put a fine point on what you're saying, Dan, is it really is summed up. I love the phrase soft, bigotry, soft bigotry of low expectations because that is really what it amounts <laughs> to because you're expecting just just so little i don't know it's just it's frustrating i get what you're saying so um i just want to remind everybody that i'm paul wine owner of express employment professionals of monterey county i want to thank the great dan miller the lovable curmudgeon as he's become to known and we're going to have him back as much as possible or at least as much as he'll have check out uh any announcement on his sub stack so you're going to want to check out for that go to what's the plan monterey.com to learn more about our program and listen to all of them. And I want to thank Mr. Mark Carbonero. He is the greatest producer in the business and a great question asker when he does pipe in. And uh, of course, Dave Marzetti hosts the Saturday Morning Shag Bag Radio Show right here on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. Please join us next week for another great program. Take care. Let it get me down Cause this fine old world